Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to what should be a very exciting and informative episode 161 of Soccer Noob America, featuring my 11-year-old daughter. Hello! Yeah, comparatively new to being alive. That's person noob. I'm comparatively new to probably a lot of you when it comes to following sport. Only been doing it a few years, hence my name. But we're trying to learn the whole darn world at once. And we have turned our new love of the game into this podcast where we peek in on the best tournaments and races from literally anywhere in the world. If a match is important where it's being played, we like to say, then it is on our radar. We don't care if that's a big, important league or a much smaller league. We will hit plenty of both. This particular week, our soccer week will run Friday through Thursday, which is usual, and that will be the 17th through 23rd of November. Let's let's just waste no time. Dive right in with... March number one! No Friday matches were quite bright or shiny enough to catch me or the daughter's attention this week, so our trek starts on Saturday and with a trophy match on the women's side of things here in the state. The NWSL has reached the pinnacle of their season, the championship final between number four-seeded OL Reign out of Seattle and NJNY Gotham, a team that, in my opinion, desperately needs a new name, trying to be a little bit something to everyone there, but hey. On the other hand, why mess with success? They've made the final. They haven't had as much success as they would like against uh, Seattle, or in this case now the OL Reign in recent years. Uh, The Reign have a 10-6-6 record accrued over that time. Earlier this season, the road teams have won. Uh, A a 1-4 resounding win for Gotham when they went to Seattle last time. And uh, when the Reign went to uh, the New York Metro, they won 0-2. You'll be able to catch this, the most important edition of the three, of course, 8 o'clock Eastern Time on CBS. Oh, all rain. Uh, no titles, but they were runners-up in both 2014 and 15. Last year, they finished number one in the regular season, but got knocked out in the playoff semifinal. When you have the best record in the league, that is called winning the Supporters' Shield in most leagues, and this is the third time that the OL Reign or Seattle Reign have won that. Uh, this year, they've simply been well-balanced. Uh, they've got an average offense. Defense was a little bit better. Uh, top five in the league, only giving up a little bit over one goal goal per match. Key players to look for. Number one in accurate long ball pass is always a fun way to attack. And she's number one by a lot with six and a half per game. That's Alana Cook, uh, the American center back for them, who's made nearly 30 women's national team appearances in her career. Uh, She's played for PSG, a very good French team, a couple of times as well. And while our league has a lot of parity over here, they say uh, the top heavy European leagues that their best might be the very best in the world. 
But uh, your most key player to look for has got to be team MVP, uh, Megan Rapino, left winger, 38 years old. This will be the final game of her domestic career. She's got four goals, five assists on the season. Other than that, she really doesn't excel in any one particular area, to be honest. I would not be afraid to attack her and get her on her back foot. Team screwed form, uh, they've had three state wins and are unbeaten in their last five. That includes advancing to the final over the number one seed, San Diego Wave. No one had to beat them on the road. Uh, they are also one, two, and one at home in their last four. That's worth mentioning. I'll give you who I think is going to win and how you should bet this, by the way, in just a little bit. Now, uh, Gotham City, we'll just uh, call them that for short, founded in 2006. They won the former top flight here in the States called the WPS in 2009. Last year, not so much so finished in 12th place. This year, the offense wasn't a whole lot above 12th. They were not even scoring one and a quarter goals per match, but they had a top four defense and a playoff where the overall goal differential. They made the top six in that regard. Key player to look for there, Tim MVP has definitely been Lynn Williams, their left winger. Uh, she is number three in the league in possessions, one in the final third. So stealing the ball back in your own offensive zone, always important to do. She averages doing that twice per match. She's also got seven goals. She is the team's scoring leader, and she is tied for number one in team assists. Uh, not that there's a lot, just a pair of those, but she's made almost 60 women's national team appearances as well. One other player for fun, I just kind of wanted you to watch her style. Number one in yellow cards in the league. She's gotten six of them. That is Jenna Nicewanger, American left back. This is her first pro year. I don't know if she's always that aggressive or if she is just kind of learning how to play at this level. But given that her tackle rate is nearly 70%, which is outstanding, I'm guessing that this is the way she has always played it. She will not be changing. Team's current form 2-0-1 in their last three. They've gotten both of their playoff wins on the road. And they advanced over the second seed uh, team from Portland, nil one. Now, as far as how to bet this, um, I'm not going to tell you who's going to win or who's going to not. I mean, I think it's not hard to go with Rapino in her final, but I don't like things overall in terms of the odds to bet that. But I will say both teams have been very slow to get going, it seems like, in their last half dozen matches each. So even though you're not getting great odds at minus 105, go ahead and bet the first half to end in a draw. Draw, probably a scoreless draw. Match number B. We stay right here in the United States for another trophy match. This one is at the Tier 3 level for the men's side, the NISA, NISA, National Independent Soccer Association. No matter which way you say it, they are going to be having the final at Romeo High School in Washington Township in northern Michigan. Uh, Macomb County is where that's at, and it's the northern greater Detroit area, maybe a half hour from downtown proper. Your finalists, seedings from the regular season, number B, Michigan Stars, yes, B, and remember, number be because number two is bathroom talk and we're much more polite than that versus number six flower city union out of rochester and syracuse new york a little bit more about that in a bit now uh, the stars michigan they finished 19 points ahead of flower city union this is a mismatch on paper, but that's not where they play the games. Uh, Michigan Stars, by virtue of finishing in the top two, they got a bye straight to the semifinals. They won both of the meetings between these two teams, 2-0 at their place, and a closer one, 2-3 on the road when they traveled to uh, either Rochester or Syracuse. Series between these two, Flower City have never won a game. The Stars 5-1-0. That's their record. 
And you can watch this one online on FIFA Plus. Go ahead and Google that up. It's going to be on at 3.30 Eastern time on Saturday. We'll talk about the Stars first. Last year, they finished in third place in the regular season, but were your playoff champions. And that was their first ever league title. Uh, the league was just formed in 2019, so there haven't been very many champions. 2013 through 19, when they played in the NPSL, a developmental league, they did not ever make the playoffs. This year, they've been second best in the league on offense, on defense. It's not a very high-scoring league, and yet they were still one of only two or three teams that were allowing less than a goal per match. Things were pretty tight that way all the way around. Key players to look for. Number B in scoring in the league with 14, Leon Marich from Bosnia and Herzegovina. He is their striker. It is his second professional year. He has spent both of them here. Uh, tied for number one in league assists with seven. That is Andres Chalbod from Venezuela. Third best in clean sheets in the league with 10. That is Tatenda uh, M. Karuva from Zimbabwe. So even you can see here at the tier three level, they really scout the world looking for these guys. Uh, by the way, that last guy, he's made 16 national team appearances or did between 2015 and 17 for his home country. Team's current form, they are 6-1-0 in their last seven. They have won three straight. They had a very strong second half of the regular season. They've gotten three straight home wins. They advanced to this final over number three, Albion San Diego, three to two. And now Flower City. Officially, let's say they are from Rochester, New York. Last year, by the way, they only finished in last place. It was their first year of play, so somewhat understandable. This year, they merged with a team that I don't know whether or not they were in this league or in this league last year. They might have been hiatus, called Syracuse Pulse. So they've been splitting their home games with uh, the city of Syracuse, where they are now branding the team there as Salt City Union. So even though it's the same team in both plays. They go by a different name depending on when they're playing their home games. Never heard of an arrangement quite like that. Uh, they got the last of the six playoff spots this year. It's just a nine-team league, by the way. They just barely made the playoffs, as I mentioned, and the offense and defense were right in line with that. They were sixth best was all in both those regards. In fact, they didn't even have a positive goal differential, minus four on the season. Nevertheless, key player to look for, team scoring leader, he's got five. That was Luke Ferreira, their center forward. He was also top 10 in the league in assists. He had five of those as well. Uh, he did play with the uh, USL Championship. That's the second tier here in the United States. Colorado switchbacks from 2019. 19 through 21, though he made just 14 appearances, at least for their senior team. Teams current form, they've been pretty strong as well, of course. I've only one loss in their last six matches. They advanced over number one seed Chattanooga FC on the road, nil-nil, and then won nil-to-two on penalty kicks. Match number three. Still on Saturday and still stateside, we are headed to our Featured Major League Soccer match of the week. It is the round of 16. This is the final match of the best of three between Houston and Real Salt Lake. Winner will move on. You can catch this third and final edition, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, Saturday night, on Apple TV with MLS Pass. I'll tell you that I like but do not love for gambling purposes the plus 300 on the draw. No, I realize for those of you who are not familiar with the gambling parlance with football, that's after the 90 minutes plus injury time. A draw simply means that that's what it will be at the end of that. They will go on to extra time and or penalty kicks to determine who actually moves on. Now, for a truly, uh, well, quote-unquote, professional prognostication, let us once again turn to our 3,500-year-old soothsayer, Noobstradamus. Take it away, O oh mighty diviner. 
match number four. Well, that's unfortunate, but oftentimes it's tough to get a hold of Mr. Damus out there on the Thracian plains of Greece or wherever he may be. But at least in trying to tune him in, we got to hear a little bit of Houston legend uh, DJ Screw there. Chopped and screwed house music. Slow it down and let the emphasis be on the storytelling. That is the kind of hip hop I can get behind. Absolutely. I love discovering that. All right. Match number four. We're going to log some frequent flyer miles. A lot of the rest of the show is going to be Northern European oriented because because it is the end of their seasons, the leagues that are far enough, far up enough north that they have to start a lot earlier than the Western and Southern European ones, are at their very end or pretty darn close. Match number four is from the Maestra Liga of Estonia. It is only ranked number 48 in all of UEFA, but it's the last match and things are very much up for grabs. Now, because they're ranked that low in the coefficients out of the 55 leagues there, only one team goes to the Champions League. They will start in the first qualifying round. Two more teams will get to go to the tertiary tournament, Europa Conference League, also starting in the first qualifying round. This is the very last match day of the season. And your most key matchup, in our humble opinion, number three. Uh, I'm going to pronounce it paid, P-A-I-D-E, but it's got an E on the end. Uh, Lina Miskond versus number B, FCI Lavadia. Here's a look at the table. Flora Talon, they're in first place, 78 points. They're one of your behemoth historical teams. The other one is FCI Lavadia, and this is a two-horse race for the title. They are only two points back at 76. Meanwhile, things are not completely settled for who is going to get the second and final Europa Conference League berths uh, paid. They have 52 points. And then Talina Kalev are breathing down their necks with 50, just two further back. Now, to set the stage a little bit more, uh, Flora Talon, they are going to be hosting number five, Noma JK uh, Call You. So they are definitely favorites for that one at home. Lavadia, they've got to uh, get this road win and hope for some help. So, FCI needs uh, Floratellin to lose. A draw would leave them alive only mathematically. They're at a distinct disadvantage when it comes to goal differential. Now, as far as your other team here, if paid get a draw or better, they finish in third place. Talina Kalev, uh, they would still be alive if they only got a draw, but again, only mathematically. They've got a very uh, low goal differential. The series between these two teams, FCI have had a massive historically 39-7-7 the last decade and change. Uh, the times they've played this year, it's been a somewhat split. FCI got wins at their place 2-0 and 1-0. Paid only managed to draw at their place the first time 1-1. Now comes the final leg of their uh, quadruple round robin as this isn't a very big league in terms of teams. All right, paid. That means Whitestone is the name of the city out of which they play. It is a centrally located one with about 8,000 people. They were founded 19 years ago as a satellite club, actually, of uh, Flora Talon. Uh, they climbed up to the sixth, from the sixth tier, I should say, by 2009. They've never been relegated out of the top flight once they got there. By the way, uh, Lena Miskon simply means city team. So Manchester City meet paid city. So you get the point there. They've never won a league title. In 2020, they were runners-up, and that was their best-ever finish. Uh, this year, so they got to play in the Europa Conference League and uh, it didn't get out of the first qualifying round. The year before, they advanced to the third qualifying round of that event, and that's the best they've ever done. 
So because you could, they played in the ECL, as you could imagine, they finished in third place last year. They did top four offense. Defense was even better. Number three in that regard, giving up less than a goal per match. Nevertheless, on offense, key player to look for. Team leading scorer with six is... Uh, I'm going to pronounce it Seam, S-I-I-M, Lutz. He's a left winger, veteran, 34 years old. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three with a 7-6 and six goal differential. All of those were road matches, so that's not too shabby. Let's see how they can do at home uh, with a very motivated FCI Lavadia team. I'm not sure how well they'll do. This club was founded in 1998, and yet they've already won 10 league titles. Most recently was two years ago. And yet I don't think they've ever done better internationally than the second qualifying round of the Champions League. Last year, they were league runners-up. Uh, this year, pretty good on offense. Second best in that regard, getting over one and three quarters goals per match. They had the second best overall goal differential going. Key player to look for, third league leading scorer with 13 is Molo Basala from Cameroon, just 20 years old. It'll be interesting to see how much he might get to move up uh, and out of this league. I suspect he'll be headed to Central or even Western Europe, given how much success he's having at such a young age. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, one in their last three as well with a 5-5 five and five goal differential. Match number five. Still more Saturday action. Yeah, it's a loaded day, and we are still in Northern Europe, as I suggested to you would be happening some. Match number five takes us to Latvia, the higher league, or verse Liga, if you prefer. It's a little bit better than Estonia's. It's ranked number 37, still a fair bit below average in UEFA. Uh, they get the same number of bursts as their counterparts, one to the Champions League, two to the Europa Conference League, everybody in the first qualifying round. This is also their last match day of the season. Most important looking matchup to us looks like number Number four, Valmiera versus number one, uh, Riga FC. Now, first, a note about Valmiera. Even though third place you know, gets a berth, they are two, they're four points behind the number three team. So no matter what, they cannot reach uh, via standard league play the, uh, the any European tournament. Now, Riga FC, if they win, they win the title, plain and simple. A loss or a draw plus a win for number B, RFS, will mean that RFS wins the title. They are, I believe, ahead on goal differential. All right, let's look at Valmiera real first, really quickly, even though it doesn't look like they're going anywhere this way. Uh, it's a city of 23,000 people for which the club is named. It's in the north-central part of the country and at the heart of a very ancient and modern crossroads as well. So it's still a very important hub town. They are the defending champions and that is the only time they've ever won the title normally it's these riga teams that are uh, up there and chasing those champions league berths they were in division two from 2004 through 17 so wow just a few years and they've got it really turned around uh one particular time they did advance to the europa conference league third qualifying round just a little bit shy of the event proper's group stage that is the best they have ever done don't have a note on the year here uh they were tied for fourth best in both offense and defense off it's not a real high-scoring league. They're not even getting quite uh, one and a third goals per match. Nevertheless, team leading scorer for them with seven on the year is Leo Gaucho. Just love that name. Brazilian, 22 years old. Another one with a lot of ability. I wonder if he will be moving on to Southern or Western Europe next season. Team's current form, 2-0-1 in their last three. 
Riga. We will not be rooting for them, even though they are uh, not officially nicknamed this. They have a giant uh, depiction of a lion's head on their crest. Boo, lions. It is cliche for soccer teams. Come up with something original. Someone in the name of all that is holy. It's a fairly young club founded in 2014, yet they've already won three league titles, all between 2018 and 20. 2019-20, they went to the Europa League. That is the second best tournament in Europe for club teams. And they made the playoff round. That is right before the group stage, and it is the best they have ever done. Uh, this year, they advanced to the third round of the Europa Conference League on the heels of their second place finish last season to Valmiera. So they'll be looking to exact some revenge here. They were second best on both offense and defense and not a low-scoring team. Uh, they were getting two and a half goals per match on the dot. Largely contributing to that is their number one league scorer with 19 on the year, and that is Marco Regza, uh, homegrown center forward. He's also made five national team appearances. Team's current form, whew, they are unbeaten in their last seven. They could be and never have been satisfied by mere string those kitties. They always crave... A recap of last week's matches, we shall give it to them. Last week's Saturday match number one was the Copa Libertadores final Boca Juniors versus Fluminense, and it was the Italians. Fluminense winning 1-2, to two, and then, and it was uh, on added extra time. Guy we said to look for, uh, German Cano for Fluminense at the opening goal. I had set to bet on Boca Juniors for that one. For anybody who lost the mortgage on their house, sorry about that. Match number B from the USLC semifinals. Number three, Charleston Battery took on number five, Louisville City. Uh, Charleston won two to one. You're welcome if you bet the mortgage on your house for that one. I said to go for the battery on that. <laughs> Match number three from the NISA semifinal. Number B, Michigan Stars versus number four, Albion San Diego. Uh, well, at least Noobstradamus got the winner correct. He said Stars would win one nothing, but in fact, it was Michigan Stars winning three. Three to two. Match number four from the Thai League One. Number one Port FC plays host at number two Bangkok United, and the visitors got the win nil two. They switched positions in the table. The king is dead. Long live the king. Sunday match number five from the USL League One final. Number B North Carolina FC played host to number four Charlotte Independence, and the result was a Carolina win one to one, five to four on penalty kicks. Now we said to look for their goalkeeper Austin Pack for Carolina. He actually conceded uh, the tying goal in the 111th minute. Yikes. Match number six from the NWSL semifinal. Number B, Portland versus number six, NJ slash NY Gotham. And it was Gotham getting a nil one win. Match number seven from the Malawi Super League in Africa. Number one, Nyasa Big Bullets taking on number B, Mighty Wanderers. They played to a 1-1 draw. No change in the table there. Match number eight from the English FA Cup. The first round proper, Charlton Athletic from Tier 3 League 1 versus the team we've been following a couple weeks, Cray Valley Paper Mills from all the way down to the 8th tier. They played to a 1-1 draw. They will be playing at some point their replay this week and Cray Valley will get to host. Match number 9 from a Serie A's women's division number B Juventus took on number 1 Roma and number 1 Roma got the road win 1-3. No change in the table there. Monday match number 10 was our feature Major League Soccer match of the week. Number 5 Real Salt Lake versus number 4 Houston 
Dynamo. The result was a 1-1 draw after regular time, and then RSL went on to keep things alive here in the second leg, 5-4 penalty kicks. They'll go to Houston for the third and final leg. Bonus matches with explanations coming later. Your ride of the week was a Saturday match from the New Caledonia Super League. Number one, Magenta versus number 12, last place, Kanano and Magenta. Got a 2-0 win, solid, if not exactly a uh, route or a roadkill match. Your most meaningless match in the world was played on Sunday in Russia, the Premier League, number eight, Locomotive versus number seven, Spartak. They played appropriately to a 1-1 draw, although each one did end up climbing a spot in the table with a singularly point achieved each. And then your match of disappointment, a Sunday match, not too far away from the meaningless match, Belarus, Premier League, number 14, Belshina Babruisk, took on number 15, Energetic-BGU, uh, and uh, Energetic got a no-one win, no change in the table there, though. But it did finally put Energetic on positive points here very late in the season. They finally overcame their match-fishing scandal points deduction from the year before. They now officially have one point in the table on the season. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Number six is the first of our Sunday matches. And where are we headed? To the continent of Africa. For the Women's Champions League, which is in its group stage, there are two groups of four, each only playing a single round robin. The top two from each group will advance. This is the last match of the group stage. And your matchup is number one AS Monday from Mali versus AF Far from Morocco. Although I think maybe I'm supposed to say the acronym out ASFAR. Anyway, they are from Morocco. They're in third place in the group. Let's look at the standings. Uh, Monday, they have four points. Arpum Dokoa is a club that has three, as does AS Far. Uh, AS Far is behind on tiebreaker, and then even Equatorial Guinea are still alive, could potentially finish in second place. Uh, they have one point. But as important as this is from the very last part of the group stage, there's not a lot of parity in the women's game yet. I've got a pretty good idea how this is going to go uh, with Monday almost certainly winning. So we're going to take a break and let Little Miss Persanoob here take over with her segment. Amenos, Amenos, Amenos from around the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've still not decided on the melody, have we? Yes, we I think we're trying to throw each other off. No, it was much different that Aminos, time. Aminos, Aminos from around the world. You've got an animal up here on the computer staring down at us. But he is not our animal today. What is our animal for today? Our animal, animal is a Diana monkey. It's a monkey named Diana? Yeah. Well, no. sort of. Sort of. <laughs> no, it's a type of monkey, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, why is it called a Diana monkey? Um, because, uh, I guess it's a right, uh, it has like, uh, it has a little white brow on its head, uh, mm -hmm. said to resemble goddess Diana's bow. Oh, so a Greek mythology reference for an African animal from the Ivory Coast, no less. Uh, what else can you tell me about what it looks like? Um, it's mostly blackish gray, got a white throat, it's got a beard, stripes on its legs. Very interesting. And about how big does it get? Uh, it gets well over one and a half feet and 12 pounds. So it doesn't sound like huge for a monkey. Certainly smaller than probably a chimp and certainly a gorilla or an orangutan. Orangutan. <laughs> That's kind of a fun word to say, isn't it? All right. So where do we find the Diana monkey? It's found in the Western Ivory Coast, Sierra Leone, and Libera. And Libera. 
Yep, Liberia. Liberia. You were, yep, you were close. It's a very strange one. All right, and uh, what kind of areas does it live in within those countries? It lives in primary forest, never ever secondary. No, secondary forest will not do. No. No, it wants very, very thick foresting. So uh, what else can you tell me about where we find it or don't find it? Um, um, it is endangered. Um, now mostly just found in like near coastal areas. So really, really thickly wooded areas or forested areas, mm -hmm. but also very, very close to the water. Interesting. All right. Tell me more. Um, well, they rarely come down from trees, so they just live in trees. Oh, that'd be cool. That would. Like a, like a little tree house. So do they make nests? Nope. They just sleep on uh, high up branches. Mm, and what kind of animals are the threats to it? Uh, they're hunted by le by leopards, crown crown hawk eagles, and chimps. Wow! So land animals and animals from the air. I got to tell you, I mean, it's a twelve pound monkey. Those hawks must those hawk eagles must be huge that are going after it. Yeah. Although maybe they're going after babies or smaller ones. I suppose. What kind of things does it eat? Flowers, fruits, insects, and leaves. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I know that it's got one, from my own research, I know that it's got one particular very interesting and developed facet about it. Tell, tell us about it. All right. Um. Well, because of its vocal ability and appearance, uh, it makes wide... Um, uh, it makes a wide array of calls for greeting and warning. Yeah, the warnings are probably really important, are they? Yeah. Yeah, tell me more. Well, um, most of the females have um, a wider vocab than males. Okay, uh, so the females are the ones doing more of the saying hello and warning off of predators. All right. Um. Mm -hmm. Um. And the call changes. Um. The and the call changes depending on what kind of predator it is. That's really interesting. I would never have guessed that there was another land animal that it was that specific. Where depending on the kind of noise it makes, it might be warning you. Look up! It's a giant hawk eagle, like from Lord of the Rings, or. It's a giant leopard on the ground looking to eat you up. Mm -hmm. Anything um, else interesting about the calls? Well, a few other am animals besides their species can, can understand them. Yeah, they're really important to their overall ecosystem, aren't they? Protecting yeah. a lot of different animals. So um, I know from my research that actually being hunted because they stay in the tree so much is not a primary reason that they're in danger. What are the major threats to this animal? Their threats are... Habitat destruction and native tribes hunting it for bush meat. That's right. It's considered a luxury meat for some reason. I don't know if it's tasty or just really, really hard to get because they're up in the trees, but it just means it gets hunted that much more because they can eat it or they can sell it. Mm -hmm. And I think they do a lot more selling it. So they're, you know, they're trying to make them stop, but you know, these are native peoples living deep in the forests. So kind of hard to do. All right. And now for our favorite part of many of these segments, we can't do it for things like coral and other kinds of little tiny animals like gnats or various things. But now is the time when we're looking at a primate where we can look at the babies. Babies. Oh, yeah. It's too bad. This is not a visual medium for our podcast, but to your, click on one, click on one, make it big and tell the people what it looks like. I like that. Oh, there's one. So it looks cute. like he's in a little straight jacket being held. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that look like something that would keep a pop or a beer cold? Like he's in a koozie. And clearly his little arms are trapped in there, but that's because some Aww. somebody's holding and has gloves on. It looks like they're trying to get a sample from his nose. Maybe give him some medicine, he's something so like cute. that. Yeah, he's cute. He doesn't look real happy. Let's find a picture of a happier one. Look at that one. Look mm -hmm. at his eyeballs. 
Yeah, what do his eyes look like? They're humongous. Yeah, what color are they? They're like black. Yeah, the whole thing is black. Not just the, uh, you know, not just the centers, but the whole eyes are very, very dark. But this one over here was my favorite. I'm not sure what it is it is eating. It looks like world's tiniest banana, but it looks normal size for him. If we were a banana, maybe it's a French fry or something. Uh, what do you think? Oh. I don't know. I don't know, but he sure looks like he's enjoying. It. He's just sitting on a log, like a like an old person sitting on a park bench, you know, enjoying something to eat. Oh, I'm gonna eat this banana. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else you'd like to say about the Diana monkey, other than the babies are super cute? I love the Diana monkey. Yeah, me too. Should we try to adopt one? Yes. And save it so they're no longer endangered. We should adopt all of them. They're too hairy. I don't even want to eat them. Don't don't eat them. No, I don't eat anything with a beard. I think that's a good rule. And these guys look like they have beards. Not that the babies have beards, but you can tell that they are, you know, you know, here's an older one holding another one and look, you can tell it looks like it's got a well, you see, really the, fluffy beard. You see these are not beards you can't eat them and these ones are too adorable to eat. I think you're right. All right, fair enough. So, we will do our best to google up ways to help um, protect them and we will not eat them. We will adopt all of them and then and then we will protect them. Oh, that seems like a terrible idea. No. Well, in in principle. Well, I like the idea of protecting them, but I'm not sure our cats would stick around if we had even one monkey. We'd have to make a choice. I want a monkey. <laughs> All right. The cats are gone. The no. monkeys are in. And this has been Aminos from Around, around the, the world. world. Match number seven. Sunday, lucky number seven. That matches from the USL Championship, the aforementioned second division here in the United States. But who will be the lucky team to get to carry home the trophy? Number three from the East and your hosts, Charleston Battery, or number six from the Western Conference, Phoenix Rising. They've only played twice. The Battery have not dropped a game yet. They uh, did get a draw. So 1-1-0 is their record. And they got that draw in Charleston in the very first match of the season for both clubs. You can catch this one in ESPN Plus, 7 o'clock Eastern Time here in the States. The Battery were founded 20 years ago. I believe that ties them with Richmond Kickers for being the longest continuously running pro soccer team here in the States. Three different times they have won second division titles with various league names. 2012 was the most recent one. Last year, eh, they didn't catch a sniff. They were number 12 in the East. No playoffs to be found. Not for them. This year, well balanced. In fact, it's kind of something that they were able to finish third. They only had the fifth best defense. Offense was a little bit better. They got a touch over one and a third goals per match. Uh, key players to look for. Number one in assists in the league with 11 is Fidel Barajas, their left winger. 17 years old is all. Wonder if he'll get to climb up to major leagues in just within the next year or two. Or will he be going abroad? Good chance because B PSV Eindhoven uh, from the Netherlands. They have been tracking him since he was 15 years old and are still doing so. On the defensive side, time for number one in clean sheets with 13 was Trey Muse. Directs a very good defense. The save percentage not as impressive. He's only 14th best in the league in that regard. Very average. He wasn't facing tons of shots. He only had to face a fair bit below average there per 90 minutes. Earlier in his career, he was with Seattle, but he didn't make any senior team appearances, I don't believe. Here in the playoff tournament with two goals and in the lead in that regard is Emilio Icaza, another U.S. player, midfielder for them. Team's current form, they're 4-0-1 in their last five. And uh, 
that's sort of a stretch. Four of those were at home. They've loved being there for the playoffs, that's for sure. And now Phoenix, fairly young club, founded in 2014. They won the Western Conference in both 2019 and 21. 2018, though, they had their best playoff finish. They were runners-up. Last year, they only finished in 10th place in the West. No playoffs for them either, so two real uh, underdog turnaround stories here. Uh, they were also pretty well balanced, just a little bit better in both regards than their counterparts today. They were getting a full one and a half games out in the West. Fourth best goal differential there. Tied for number one in the league in goals plus a six, Daniel Trejo, left winger. He had 26 of those when you combine them. He's been rostered with LAFC three different times, but he's only got three appearances. Phoenix is a center. Essentially, uh, a team affiliated with them. Number three in save percentage in the league, a name I just love, Rocco Rios Noble, Argentinian, 21 years old. He is here on loan from a pretty good club called uh, Lanus. He has also made 16 appearances for Atlanta United. Those were all last year. Team's current form, or rather I should say the team MVP, in my opinion anyway, has been Carlos Harvey, Panamanian central midfielder, 23 years old, five goals, four assists, and yet also very solid all around on his uh, defensive attributes as well. He transferred over here from LA Galaxy, very experienced player. Team's current form, well, they entered the playoffs on two straight losses. That Those were preceded by three straight draws, and yet here they are turning things around in the playoffs Worth noting, they have not kept a clean sheet in their last eight, match, in their last eight matches. Uh, because of that, the bet that I like on this one, take Charleston Battery. After all, they're at home and you're getting plus 100. Match number eight. Are you finding yourself missing Northern Europe? No problem. Let's head back there to the All's Venskan, the top flight in Sweden. It is ranked in the top half of Europe at number 23. Not the very best of the Northern European leagues, but pretty darn good. Because of that, their champion, when they go to the Champions League, will get to set out until the second qualifying round. Same thing for their two Europa Conference League uh, participants. This is the last match of the season there as well, and we actually get a number B versus number one. Malmo in second place. That's a little bit of a surprise, taking on number one, Elfsborg, who are not a team I'm used to seeing this high high up in the handful of years I've been following world football, but they do have some historical success that ends kind of just before the last several years. We'll get into them in a little bit. Right now, they lead Malmo by three points and are tied on goal differential. What that means is if Malmo win and they must win, then they will be your champions no matter what the margin is. But even a draw and Elfsburg will get the championship berth. Malmo, by the way, they lead number three, uh, Hacken, by four points. So it is just down to these two teams for the title. Series between these two in recent years has been all Malmo. 19 wins against just six draws and seven losses. But when they played earlier this season at Elfsborg, uh, Elfsborg won 3-0. All right, as the home team, we'll talk about them first, Malmo. They are named for the third biggest city in the country, about three-quarters of a million people there. It's right on the border, essentially. I mean, there's a waterway in between with Denmark. This was one of Scandinavia's earliest industrialized cities. But here in the post-industrialist age, they had really fallen behind economically. But now they're starting to catch up with a lot of generalized 
IT work and specifically biotech. Because of their proximity to mainland Europe, though, uh, half of the city's worker workers now, ever since I believe it's called the Orisboro Bridge, was finished. Uh, there's a ton of foreigners. Nearly half of the city's positions are filled by people who don't live in Malmo. So actually, a Malmo proper, the unemployment rate is still pretty high. Kind of strange. Mama are the winningest club in the nation's history. That is the biggest thing to know about them on the pitch. 25 titles since the 1943-44 season. Most recent one was two years ago. 1978-79, they finished as runners-up in a tournament that is now known as the Champions League. Their most modern finish, so here in this century, uh, was the Champions League group stage. They've made it three different times, most recently 2021-22. The 2019-2020 season, Europa League, they went to the round of 32, and that is tied for probably their best modern overall finish. They are ranked number 68, or at least were as of a year ago in the most recent UEFA club findings I could find. Give you a little overall continental perspective there. Last year, they had a real off year for them. Uh, finished just in seventh. This year, second best in offense and defense. They're getting over two goals per match. I think they'll look to push the pace a little bit here at home. Not waste any time since they have to have the win. Key players to look for. Number one scorer in the league. There's the boast of with 15 was Isaac Klesi or Klees uh, Thielen, center forward for them. He's been with a bunch of recognizable European teams, Bordeaux, Anderlecht, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, all further south. Tied for number three in scoring in the league as well with 11, Sebastian Nanasi, left winger, 21 years old, also had six assists. I wonder if he'll be moving on to a bigger league further south before too long. I didn't catch any current rumors on him, but it won't be too long before that mill starts. Team's current form, they just had a two-match winning streak ended with a 4-2 loss at the aforementioned number three club, Hacken. What a dreadful loss for them. Might have cost them the title, but they can make up for it here today. And now the team for Elfsborg, they are known as, no, not the Elves, the Elegance. Yeah, and with a T-S, not C-E on the end there for whatever that's worth. They, uh, due to the fact that they haven't had a lot of really, really recent success, are not even ranked quite in the top 250 within UEFA, or at least the last time that I saw from them. Uh, they play out of the city of Boros. It's a city of about 114,000. Huge textile production city. And unlike a lot of European cities, they are still very much known for that. They even have a museum for it there. It's such a big deal. Uh, if you To tell you where they are geographically, if you imagine Sweden. You know, it starts a little skinnier at the top and it goes down towards the south and gets a little more bulbous at the bottom. Uh, they're in that southern quarter of the country, um, but just barely and kind of inland and they're uh, near the near the west coast if not quite on it and by the way to answer the question about elfsborg no this isn't something that was stolen from middle earth there is a historic country called alvesburg with an a at least that was the more recent modernized spelling of it that combined with some other counties they are from the historical region and there is an antiquated spelling of that antiquated county that started with the e so that is where they get their name not from the fantasy creatures although i still think that make a pretty cool and marketable mascot at least for their merch they have won six titles only two of them were in this century they advanced to the champions league third qualifying round in each of their appearances this century 2013-14 they made the europa league group stage that's their best international appearance uh, or finish i should say overall last year they finished in sixth place this year 
Offense was good. Defense was excellent. Number one in that regard, giving up just over three quarters of a goal per match on average. Key players to look for, tied for number one in clean sheets with 13, was Hacken Raffin Valdemarsen. It makes me wonder if that's where they got the name Valdemort from. Uh, he's an Icelandic player, 22 years old. He was also second best in save percentage. Tied for number three in league scoring with 11, Jeppe Okels from Denmark, their right winger. He came over from a pretty strong club over in Denmark. Not a great one, but a good one. Silkeborg in 2020. Team's current form, a 2-2 draw at home versus number 15 uh, Degers 4. I'm going to pronounce it D-E-G-E-R-F-O-R-S. That snapped a five-match win streak for them and put them in position to potentially lose this title. Match number nine. Number nine is our final weekend match, and it takes us to Africa for the first time this particular episode. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie in the African Football League's final. If you're not familiar, that's okay. It's a brand new tournament. It was going to be 24 clubs this year, but they decided to slim it down to eight for this. It's inaugural season. They were going to call this the African Super League. This is eight of the greatest teams in Africa, maybe even the eight uh, highest-ranked ones. I'm not sure how they decided to distribute the invitations. But this is the first year they're seeing how it goes over. FIFA is kind of using Africa as their experiment, uh, experimental playground for a lot of different things. They were going to call it the Super League, but since that went over like a lead balloon in Europe, FIFA encouraged them to not maybe uh, move towards that name here. Good job by them. All right, your finalists are Mamelodi Sundowns out of South Africa, playing host to Wydad AC from Morocco. That's my favorite team in all of Africa for what it's worth. Wydad won the first leg 2-1. to one. But for two different reasons, that's all you're going to get out of me for this particular match. First of all, I'm just not sure, because this has not been a replacement, nor is it intended to ever be one for the Champions League, so I'm not sure just how seriously these teams have been taking it. Plus, by this time a show noob's tummy starts to get a little rumbly. I'm hungry. That means it's time to talk about food, a culture break, and we're going to learn about a South African favorite sandwich called the Gatsby. This is a sandwich that was invented in 1976, and you can find it made with all kinds of things these days. We're going to talk about the original. First of all, the guy who invented it was the owner of a restaurant, and he wanted to feed a bunch of workers who were doing some construction work for him really quickly and easily. So he just sliced open a giant loaf of bread and filled it with something that in South Africa are called slap chips. They are fries are absolutely pre-soaked in vinegar. And then they uh, add in what's called a uh, polony sausage, which if that sounds like bologna to you, that's not a coincidence, it essentially is bologna pork sausage. And something called, I'm not sure if the pronunciation is akar or achar. I've seen it spelled with both one and two A's, two A's in South Africa, C-H-A-R. Uh, this is a general name for a uh, pickled type of vegetable with certain spices like oil, chili powder, uh, mustard seeds and fennel seeds, amongst other things. It is very spicy, a friend from India has told me recently, and it is uh, popular all over South Asia. Uh, the original here in South Africa, when using it for this sandwich, probably used pickled unripe mango, as those are very popular in South Asia, probably the way that he learned it. Now you can find it with all kinds of meats, eggs, other vegetables, but if you want to get really old school with it, this is the way to try to uh, either order this if you're in a big metro area maybe you can find it at an Indian or South African restaurant this particular way or maybe even put together the recipe for yourself and my 
match number 10. We're done. Finally. Yes, and you finally get a respite. And I think for the first time ever, we have three days off between the main matches, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, we're back at it finally with the last match of our main 10 from the CONCACAF Nations League. They are reaching their quarterfinal stage for League A. This will be the first leg of a home and away two-legged tie to see who advances in the bracket. USA is playing in this one. That's why we're covering it. They are one of four teams to be entering at this round. They did not have to play at the group stage, which is still actually ongoing for Leagues B and C, some of the lesser teams within the CONCACAF region. By the way, the winner of this entire event will get to go to the 2024 Copa America, an invitational CONMEBOL tournament. That's uh, South America's uh, version of CONCACAF. The runners-up will also get to go, although they will have to go to a qualifying playoff spot. So your matchup is number B ranked within CONCACAF USA. They're just behind Mexico currently, taking on number 11, Trinidad and Tobago, who shouldn't even be here in a matter of speaking. You can catch all kinds of information from lots of great podcasts and other sites out there for the American team. So we're just going to focus on letting you get to know the visitors. Say hello to Trinidad and Tobago. They are known as the Soka Warriors. That is a reference to soul calypso music that is endemic to this area. They are FIFA ranked number 99, so pretty good just to be within double digits, although their high back in 2001 was ranked number 25 in the world. They famously eliminated the U.S. men's national team in a World Cup qualifying match back in 2018. 2006, they qualified for their only World Cup ever, and then they went 0-1-2 when they got there. They have qualified for seven of the last 19 Gold Cups. That is CONCACAF's official championship. This event, the Nation League, is just sort of an off-year tournament, although still with a certain amount of importance, in part because of those Copa Sudamerica bursts. The U.S. would really like to get one of those because by playing in it, that next year. It would be an incredible jump up in overall competition that they would likely get to play in South America as they prepare for the World Cup that they'll be hosting in a couple of years after that. As far as the Gold Cup goes, and Trinidad and Tobago 2000, uh, 2000, they finished number three. That's the best they've ever done. They've been eliminated at the group stage level in the last three. 2022-23, the last Nations League, they went 4-1-1, one, one, not quite good enough to advance naturally, if you will, out of League B. Uh, they are the 10-time Caribbean Cup winners, by the way, as well. Uh, last time they won, that was 2021. Now, back to their Nations League uh, current position in that they are in League A and made it to the quarterfinals. They shouldn't be in the quarterfinals because they weren't even supposed to be in League A at all. Nicaragua got kicked out and down a level for a punishment, and somebody had to replace them. Yeah, in some other tournament recently, Nicaragua had fielded an ineligible player, and this was their punishment. And so Trinidad and Tobago replaced them. And then they ended up finishing in second place in their uh, in their group of six different teams in League A, which was totally unexpected. In fact, they only lost the group title to Panama by two points, and they uh, got that second and final berth into the quarterfinals by finishing two points ahead of third place Martinique. They actually had the worst defense in the group, which I don't think boasts well. They were giving up two and a quarter goals per match, but they went nuts on offense. They were best in that regard out of their group, scoring two and a half goals per match. They had the second best overall goal differential. 
Key players to look for so far in this tournament for them, top 10 in event scoring with a pair, is Rion James, a uh, forward for them who plays for a domestic club called Defense Force, who has made nearly 20 national team appearances since 2018. Another guy with a pair of goals on the event is Nathaniel James, who is just 19 years old, plays midfielder for them. He's only got a bare handful of national team caps. He too still plays for his home country domestically in club, and that is for one called W Connection. We've also got five USA connections on this club, players who are with teams at various levels within the United States. No major league soccer players. Uh, in fact, they're all with tier three leagues with the exception of one guy who's with a second, uh, a second tier USL championship club. Team's current form, they are uh, their 5-3 lost at Curacao, snapped a three-match winning streak from their last, event, uh, last match. All those matches were in this event. Bring forth the bonus matches. And our first is a first versus last place matchup from somewhere on the globe. My daughter dramatically calls the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. Yes, and your roadkill match for the week is a Sunday match from Norway. I believe this is, unless you want to include Denmark, probably the best of all the league associations on the men's side in Europe. Division one there is called the Elite Serien. It is the 13th ranked league in UEFA, slowly and steadily climbing for years. Their winner will get to go to the second qualifying round of the Champions League. The other two second and third place finishers will go to the second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League. It is not the very last match of their season. I believe each team will have either one or two matches after this. Your matchup, number one, Budu Glimt. Uh, put a slash in between there to be accurate. And then uh, versus last place, number 16, Alsund. Uh, Bodu, they have already secured the league title mathematically. Meanwhile, uh, Alsund, they cannot climb out of the relegation zone. So everybody's fate is sealed here. Makes one wonder if, uh, depending on who's playing more reserves and how seriously they're taking it, could we see an upset? We're always looking for those in the route of the week. All right, Buda Glimp. Let's learn a little about them first. Uh, Bodu is a city of about 40,000 people. It is just north of the Arctic Circle. It is the only city in the entirety of the cities with, that are above the Arctic Circle that has a four-season temperate climate. It is just in the right spot, and everything is mitigated there by being on the water. It is one of the most northern cities in the entire world, football aside. They are known as the Lightning. In fact, the glimped portion of their name actually means flash. And their supporters are known for big yellow toothbrushes. Many, many years ago, um, when they were uh, various supporters were directing the songs, for some reason it became common uh, for people to do so with a toothbrush. And then so a toothbrush production company said, hey, supporters, we'll sponsor you and make you these. And so now it's a really big deal for all these supporters to have these incredibly oversized yellow toothbrushes. I think it's pretty cool. 
They've been in the top flight all but one of the years within the last decade. They've only ever won two league titles. Their success is very recent, 2020 and 2021. Although I should say their national success. They also won nine Northern titles, uh, 1972 and before, because that was the first year uh, following that, that cities from the northernmost two counties in the country were even allowed to play in the first division or, I believe, participate in the FA Cup. They were just too far away. Way and it was too darn cold. 2022-23, uh, they got to the Champions League playoff round and uh, then the Europa League group stage. Last year, they played in the Europa Conference League and made the group stage. Uh, that was on the heels of a runner-up finish last year after their two titles the two previous years. Their defense has been good. The offense has been amazing, number one, and by a lot, two and two-thirds goals uh, per matchup there on average, and the number one goal differential by quite a bit. League MVP, in my opinion, has been Amal Pellegrino, homegrown left winger, 33 years old, number one in goals by a mile with 23. I want to say the second place finisher had something like 15 or 17. He's also number one in league assists with 14. Uh, as a vet, I know as a veteran, he's probably, and he's a lifer here in Northern Europe, but you got to think somebody can use that kind of production from a newly well-known team like that somewhere in Southern Europe for the second half of the season or Western Europe. Another key player to look for, helping set him up, number one in accurate passes per 90 minutes, that is Braid Matthias Moe. He's a center back for them who knows the system. He's been there since 2014. He's also in the top three of most accurate passers uh, for this team. Team's current form, six straight wins across all competitions, but only the last one of those was a shutout. So if Alsund can produce any offense, is there a glimmer of hope for them? By the way, also they play in the northwest corner of sort of the southern bulb, something we talked about uh, before with a different country uh, here in northern Europe. So they're like the northernmost of the southern teams, if you will. The town center is actually on a series of islands. There's fjords just everywhere. It's the ninth biggest one in the country, about 50,000 people. Most of the buildings that are currently standing were built between 1904 and 1907, which is really unusual for, you know, a, a really big town like that. Uh, that was right in the heart of the Art Nouveau period. It's a very big deal up there, art and architecturally and such. And in fact, there's a museum to that movement there in that city. Not sure of the why. I wish I could have found something easily, but all one word, they are known as the Tango Shirts. Yeah, I, I don't even have a joke there. That's just the name. I don't think tango means anything specifically in like, you know, so any Northern European you know language or anything. So there you have it. Uh, they have won one Division II title. That was in 2019. Their first ever time in the top flight was in 2003. And then they've actually played in the top flight from 2007 through 17. They've been to the Europa League three different times, 2010 through 13, all in a row. 2011-12, they advanced to the playoff round right before the group stage, best they've ever managed. Last year, they finished in ninth place, so this is really rarefied air for them. Or no, not rarefied air, just the opposite. That was rarefied air for them. They are stinking up the joint this year. 19 losses in 27 matches. They've had both the worst offense and defense going. The defense is a particular bugaboo. They give up two and a third goals per match. They've got the worst goal differential of any team at this level by a factor of over 2.5.
Nevertheless, the uh, most valuable player that they've had, in my opinion, this year has been Erland Segberg, their central midfielder, although I don't think we'll be seeing uh, him. He's on a red card suspension. Next best player on the team has probably been Marcus Seehusen Carlsbeck, 23-year-old central midfielder with five goals and four assists. And then I mentioned the problem on defense. Uh, the worst in goals conceded per 90 minutes of all goalkeepers in the league has been their veteran, Stan Michael Agritbust. He's 33 years old. He actually made five national team appearances between 2012 and 2022. So very much just kind of on a spot as need uh, basis. And uh, nobody needs him in any sort of spot right now, the way he's been playing. Team's current form, two straight losses. That actually followed a pretty healthy 2-1-0 stretch. But now they're back to their losing ways. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Not only will we talk about mid-tablers, we will celebrate them in song, the most meaningless match in the world. We've selected a Saturday match for you. And for the first time this episode, we're headed to Asia, specifically Japan. The J1 League is the third-ranked league in all of the AFC. Uh, Two of their teams will get to go to the next Champions League Elite. That is currently simply known as the Champions League. And then their third-place finisher will go to Champions League 2, which is currently called the AFC Cup. Uh, One of the 18 teams on the other end of things will get relegated. The season is almost done here, so none of those last two or three little tidbits are even relevant. That's why it's meaningless. Talking about number 10, Albayrex Niigata versus number 11, FC Tokyo. Uh, I'll tell you that uh, they uh, Nagata lead Tokyo by one point in the table, so they're each trying to finish in the top half. And then... uh, Nagata trailed number three, Urawa Red Diamonds, by 13 points. They're not catching them. Meanwhile, Tokyo, they lead number 18, Yokohama, by 11 points. So no risk of relegation there. Series between these two, Tokyo have been dominant, accruing an 11-3-4 and four record in recent years. And when they played earlier this season, that held true. Tokyo got a 2-1 win at home. Can Nakata, Nagata turn the tables in a match of meaninglessness? All right, let's learn a little bit about them. Well, first of all, Nigata, in case you're not familiar, is on the main island or biggest island of Honshu. And it is the biggest city on the west coast of that island, metro area of a little bit over a million people. And if I've understood what I've read directly, it's very interesting because despite having a lot of people, the whole area is a government designated one for large scale agricultural production reform. Oh, and another historical side note, just for fun, if uh, the U.S. had randomly decided to bomb four cities instead of two, you know, back in World War days, yeah, Nagata was on the list. There are uh, some historical reasons why they don't think it made the final two. You can Google that up for yourself. We got to get into the footy. They play at Denka Big Swan Stadium, which will probably explain the giant white bird on their crest. I haven't seen Swan officially as a moniker for them, but it would seem to be an unofficial mascot at the very least. This is their first year in the J1 League since 2017, and they have won the D2 title, J League 2, two different times. Uh, 2006, they were in Division 1, and they finished in sixth place, best they've ever done. 
They have been sorely lacking on offense. They're near the bottom of the league in that regard. The defense has been better. Number eight, a little bit below average, giving up one and a quarter goals per match. Of their truly regular starters, at least across the whole league, number one in most accurate passing has been Thomas Deng from Australia. He plays center back for them. Interesting, the two players that are doing better than him by total and percentage are actually also on his team. Neither of them are really, really regular starters either, but Deng gets the most minutes. The team MVP, in my opinion, has probably been a different defensive player. The right back, Soya uh, Fujiwara, He's got two assists. He's a very good dribbler and a very good tackler. I suspect that uh, they like to put on somewhat of high presses and that he is very key to that. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last six. Doesn't sound like anything too meaningless about that. All right, and now FC Tokyo. They've made three Champions League appearances. The most recent one was 2020. Uh, They've always made the round of 16 exactly. No further, no less. Best finish they've ever had in J-League 1 was fourth place. Twice they have managed that, most recently in 2015. Last year, they finished in sixth place. This year, the offense is a bit above average, the defense a bit below. The offense, they get one and a quarter goals per match, just above average. Tied for number ninth, though, in goal differential is all the further they are in that step. Team MVP for them has probably been their Brazilian center back, the singularly named uh, Henrique, or Henrique, I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Uh, He's a very physical player. He's also tied for uh, second most in yellow cards this season in the league with eight. Uh, He gets a lot of tackles, as you would imagine, getting a lot of those yellow cards, and he gets loads of clearances. European footy fans have a chance at knowing him. He played real briefly for a lower-end tier one club called Family Sal. Team's current form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three. And now your most meaningless fact, courtesy of the management, who had this to say about Tokyo. Tokyo means Eastern Capital in Japanese. The name of the city was Edo back in the day, and then they moved the capital from Kyoto, which actually means capital city, but note that they didn't change that one uh, in Japanese. So he hopes that that is a meaningless enough fact without being completely uninteresting. Oh, yes. It is a fine line that we law that we walk here in many regards, but most especially with our factoids for the most meaningless match in the world. Hope you have enjoyed. And now for our final match. Let the ire and consternation take over in your soul. This is the match of Disappointed! And we have selected you a match worthy of your score, and it'll be played on Wednesday in Nigeria's Premier League. Pretty decent league, number 13 ranked in all of Africa, but not thanks to these two sad sack bottom feeders. Now, four of the 20 teams are going to get relegated. Believe me, this is more their speed. They're only about a third of the way through the season, so there's time, but we accept no excuses. You are still very disappointed in referring to number 20, Heartland Awari, taking on number 19 visitors, Bielsa United. Uh, Bielsa lead uh, Awari by two points, and they trail number 16, that's the lowest point of safety from relegation, Niger Tornadoes by two points. Heartland have a variety of nicknames. They are known as the Notse, N-A-Z-E, Millionaires. That is a historical, I believe, district in the area. The Spartans seems to be the most common. Soccer scientists, interesting, and simply the Hearts. 
which stands to reason. Five different times they've actually won the Premier League title, but 1993 was the last one. Their halcyon days are long gone. Even in 1998, they made the final of the tournament that is now known as Africa's Champions League, and then they also made the final in 2009 when it was known as the CL. Uh, they made four other appearances between that 1998 one or 1994, 1998, I believe. And yet they've been relegated, and I think more than once in recent years. Last year they just got promoted, or more specifically re-promoted, out of the second division, and they are the only winless team remaining in the league. Wow. And why not? The problem is offense. They're just not generating any, not even averaging three goals every four matches on average. Woof. Uh, the, the defense is better in that it's flirting with average. They give up over one and a quarter goals, tied for number 17 in goal differential. All indications are it doesn't matter that it's fairly early in the season. This is a team I expect to go down. Uh Star player for them or the closest thing they have to one. Tied for number three in league scoring, which means he has four of their five goals so far. Jonathan uh, Alukuwu, he is listed technically as a defender, but I guess must get up the field and play some wing back. Maybe he just does everything. Team's current form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three. And now Bayelsa United. Uh, Bayelsa is the name of the state. The actual city they play out of is called uh, Yanagawa. It's in the south central part of the country, on or very near the coast, about 350,000 people. It was known for anything appropriately. It is known for its really, really unpleasant year-round weather. And not that it's always the same. Uh, basically, they have two seasons. They have a very warm and incredibly wet season, and then they have a even hotter and dry season. And it is nearly always cloudy, like the month that gets the fewest uh, cloudy days is still cloudy nearly half the time in, the, in their busiest cloudy season, if you will. It's 90% of the time. Club was founded in the year 2000. They were re-promoted just two years ago and have been something of a yo-yo team, both in their league and within this league. They actually won the title in 2009. What happened then? Um, they also made the 2009 Confederation Cup semifinal, uh, one of their only two ever international appearances. By the way, the Confederation Cup is the one that is below the Champions League, the equivalent of the Europa Cup in Africa. The one time they were in the Champions League, they lost in a preliminary round. Last year, the league was divided into two groups of 10, and they finished in seventh place in there. So not good, and yet not as bad as this year. And the problem is the defense. They are giving up two goals per match, and the only team that is doing that. The offense is actually in what's usually not a very high-scoring league. They're getting one and a quarter goals and change per match that puts them in the top third of the league. But nevertheless, their goal differential is even worse than their opponents today. I expect both these teams to go down. They do have the number one league leading scorer, though, amazingly. I wonder if he'll be with them all the way through. He's got a half dozen already, and that's Robert Mitzo. Team's current form, they are 1-0-5 in their last, last six. They have lost two straight. As I said, they are worthy of our scorn, and thusly, rather than wishing either of these teams good luck or good fortune, we will shoo them away and give them the boot in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo. And 
And that's a wrap on episode number 161 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry, to Dan the Interno Inferno for all of his continued efforts and inspirations, to Person Noob, mwah, kisses for you. Thank you very much for being part of the show once again. And thanks to you for finding the show, listening, and we hope that you'll consider passing us on to your footy-minded friends. We've really worked hard to create something fun and somewhat unique here. So until we can do it again in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.